When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to Pod Like a Raven! After a big week, the biggest week of the year, where the Ravens defeated the Patriots at home. By 7? No. By 10? No. By 17? That's right. 37 to 20 at the bank. I'm Antonio Barbera, jacked up to talk about the Ravens this week. I'm joined to my left by Tim Horsey. Hey Tim, how's it going? I don't think I could have been any happier. And then that intro just made just put this huge grin on my face. Um, it's not often that you go in and stop the New England Patriots, make them look like child's play. That whole schedule at the beginning of the year, yeah, it was true. The Patriots are not who we thought they were. They've got a blemish on the record, and I am feeling great about it, my friend. Joining us from the West Coast, the one and only. Jace Evans. Jace, how are you doing? Doing great, Antonio. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are for real, and I couldn't be more excited about it. <laughs> it's going to be a great show. It's a great day. It was a great night. Everything's great. I'm just going to say behind the curtain really quickly, because I was out in Baltimore. I had friends come down from Boston. Um, my friend's fiance, a Patriots fan. Ooh. Not the least bit sorry about what happened and how her night was pretty much ruined and then had a 5 a.m. flight the next day. Cool. Really hope that didn't or that went better than the game did for her, uh, obviously. But I was kind of I was a little bit low energy coming in here today. I was fired up already in the moment. I, I, expe- I spent so much energy celebrating during that game that I thought, man, I'm really going to have to ramp it back up. But the vibes I'm getting off both of you, man, I'm ready to go. This is going to be great. This was a game that we talked about a lot last week. It was a big concern. Uh, we didn't like the opponent. 
We didn't like that. It was a, them, a, <laughs> we didn't like that it was a primetime game. Did not like the Ravens in primetime. Uh, Lamar Jackson was getting a lot of hype. The Ravens were getting talked about a little too much, and that's just the in the past has been a recipe for a disaster for the Ravens and to to sort of defy all expectations in a negative way and end up losing a game or blowing a game. But that did not happen this time. The Ravens took control of this game early, had a few miscues, had the had that second quarter lull that we're that we're used to seeing. But then unlike most other games in those situations in these tough matchups, the Ravens turned it around and by the end, by those 60 minutes, dominated this game, really, for all intents and purposes. So let's get into the specifics now. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So much more good than bad this week. What were some things that, uh, that you guys liked? Just to play off that point, I think the overarching good here, this is not your father's Baltimore Ravens. This is a completely new team with a completely new swagger, led by a guy who I don't really see as a guy that has let down games, or they are very, very rare. An 820 game, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm much more of the, I want our game to be on the D list on CBS, the one o'clock, even if I have to listen to freaking Dan Fouts, that's fine, because I just, I don't want to have the spotlight on us, especially after a week of talk, like you said, and boy, they backed it up. Uh, we've seen this game, They cu- we've seen this game against the Steelers and the Patriots every single time. Oh boy. Come out super strong. Stupid mistake by Cyrus Jones on the fumble. Of course, Justin Bethel recovered it, a Raven that they just cut and then New England signed. <laughs> I mean, Cyrus Jones, a former Patriot, helping out his old team. I mean, it's the whole thing. That happens. They score some points. Then you get Mark Ingram, a guy who, in one of our biggest losses, or our biggest loss of the year, excuse me, against the Browns, had an uncharacteristic fumble. He makes another mistake, and you're just thinking, holy Hell, here it goes again. I, I was hoarse by the second quarter already. I don't know if you can tell. And it became one of those things of... Was not at the game. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Not at the game. No. Just shouting in a bar uh, in Baltimore, which is great. But it, it was one of those where you're thinking, here it is, same old Ravens. But what we have to realize is that this is not that same team. And they, they overcame those mistakes capitalized on mistakes that the Patriots made. Seven penalties to four. You never see that. Uh, Bill Belichick was caught on the sidelines calling his defense a bunch of a-holes at one point because of uh, a terrible defensive penalty. Uh, I think it was later in the game. But so incredibly impressive to watch this team kind of overcome a little adversity against a very, very good opponent, um, schedule aside, and come out with a huge statement victory yeah i'm 100 percent with you tim and that i believe i texted the pod like a raven group chat after the cyrus jones fumble something along the lines of quote this is how it starts because like you said we've been scarred by the new england patriots by the pittsburgh steelers we've seen the ravens play games per, literally per, literal perfect start to this game it was 17-0 and the Patriots had run seven plays all game when uh, Cyrus Jones. Oh, and then that was a three and out. And then Cyrus Jones fumbled that. And you, against a team like the New England Patriots, you just can never give them an inch. Because I I also texted, it was a lock that the Pats were going to score a touchdown after that, uh, so that Cyrus fumble, but and you said it, and I put it in stars on my notepad here because you know I mean it. The Ravens survived the mistakes, and then 
I think in even more impressive fashion, we can get to and uh, get into it here. Dominated the second half. The Pats came out a little bit on fire. Dominated. The, the, the Pats did start strong in the second half, but huge fumble by Julian Edelman. And who makes the play? 44, Marlon Humphrey, scoop and score to the house. The bank's rocking. Ravens suddenly have a 24-13 lead at that point. And the Patriots did answer um, immediately to their credit because they're still a great team. But then from there, domination. Two different 14-play drives, each over eight minutes. They only had three possessions in the entire second half, and the last one was a kneel down. They just, they sealed the game with just beautiful offensive football, which we can't say has almost ever been the case with the Ravens. And it was very exciting to see against this opponent that, you know, we talked about in the pre- in our previous show was touted as having, quote unquote, one of the greatest defenses of all time. I was going to say, please keep comparing them to the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. I dare you, please. Real quickly, I just want to go through some highlights of this Pod Like a Raven text group that maybe if we, you know, oh, no. maybe down the years we start a Patreon, we maybe make a Slack, <laughs> we start inviting people into the Slack to be part of the, the conversation as we get going. Um, Antonio Barbera, let's go. Jace, that was a start. And then we're all kind of just chilling. Antonio, this is a start, I think, when we scored again. And then here comes Jace. This, this is the fumble. And this is what I'm just going to call this section, here comes Jace. I don't know how live betting in-game works, but I would have hammered my life savings on the Patriots getting a TD there. Just catch the ball. Don't even touch it, all caps for Mr. Jace Evans. Uh, Antonio goes, he shouldn't play the rest of the game. Jace goes, the Pats don't make mistakes like that when they win. Seven and all the momentum in the world and you just fail on your one job bunch of clowns man can't say I'm surprised uh, then we then we're trying to cut like Antonio's like but the defense has been really good like Jace get off the ledge untie the noose doing all these things and then Jace will just end it here uh, can we just not do a show this week? I'm already depressed but like you said in the, in the second half eating up over 17 minutes of clock. Um, with two absolutely gorgeous drives and capitalizing on the mistakes that the Patriots made and all of those negative thoughts that, guess what, hand up. I was feeling them as well, just wasn't putting them in the text group. Uh, they, it came that they were, were not a problem in the end, which was great to see. This is a game where the, the Patriots never led, by the way. <laughs> they never led! <laughs> and yet this was the, the text thread that was happening. This, is the, this is the kind of content that oh, you get man. from J7's live in live in-game. Oh, I mean, boy. wait till the Bengals get a first down next week. He's already going to be losing his mind. So I'm going to reel this in a little bit. Uh, we talked last week, and we spoke. We already touched a little bit about the running games, specifically against the Pats defense. We said last week that the whole this game was going to come down to can the Ravens uh, dominate the line of scrimmage? Can they set the tone? Can they take the lead early and then dictate game flow? And so at that point, I, Tim, I think I asked you uh, on the coin toss – would you take the ball and try to score? Yeah. Or would you let the crowd play into it? I don't actually know I think I who said, won the toss or not, if they the Ravens oh, won sure, it or yeah. not. I'm but, not sure. Uh, they got the ball first. They ran the ball hard. One of the most effective drives that they've had all season, 11 plays, 75 yards, and they had the lead. And that was so big in this game when they were able to establish the run Take the lead. Uh, Tom was all, Brady was already a little bit on his heels. Uh, they got pressure on him immediately, and that just helped the whole game. So the time of possession for the game 
ended up being 37 minutes to 22 off of these really big drives. The rushing numbers, Mark Ingram, 15 carries for 115 yards. Lamar Jackson, 16 carries for 60 yards. Gus Bus getting some time in there with 27 yards. All told, they rushed for right around their season average of 210 <laughs> yards. I think their average before the game was like 205, somewhere in there, just over two. And they rushed for 210 yards, and New England could not stop them throughout the game. So even when the score got closer, uh, and this is a conversation I actually had with my dad, one of the bad things shout that I do want to... Yeah, right, shout, shout out to, uh, to Dr. Barbera. One of the bad things that I want to get into a little bit was when the Patriots did get going was their hurry-up offense. Mm, sure. And that was when the Ravens could not, really weren't even putting any sort of resistance at all. So the Patriots, even though they had that fumble for six on the first Pats drive of the second half, then the Pats went down again and scored, and this is when the conversation happened with my dad, and we were like, what, what can you do? Are you concerned about this hurry-up offense? Guess what you can do? You can get the ball back and leave your defense on the sidelines and get another drive, and that's going to slow everything down. The big thing they always say with the hurry-up offense, you have to stop them in that first three plays. Yep. You can't let them get that first first down, and that's when you're in trouble. So keep them off the field. So that drive, uh, the 14-play, 81-yard drive, when it was 24-20 to in the third quarter, made it 30-20, to was, re- I think, the, the pivotal. Not the, the fumble return for six, but that drive ended up being the most pivotal series of plays in the game. Yeah, you're mentioning an ugly in there, too, when it only went up by six points and not seven, because Justin Tucker missed an extra point. Which, that's on me. Yeah, that's on you. That's all you. Um, <laughs> another thing, too, um, on kind of both sides of that, you talk about the hurry-up offense. The simplest way to, to beat these really, really good quarterbacks, and all, and we'll talk about him because he did not look great yesterday, or on Sunday, excuse me, um, you put him on the sideline and make him sit on the sideline, and the Ravens offense did that. And, and credit to the Ravens offense as well. You know, we talked about in the preseason, and we've mentioned this over and over again, they were going to be old-school football, three yards in a cloud of dust. They're going to zig when everybody's zagging, yada, yada, yada. Then they come out, they start whipping the ball around. It's like, oh, Lamar can throw, and there's that whole conversation going. New England, I th- I still believe in their defense. I think this obviously was a clearly an off night for them. But the, the best part of that defense is their secondary and their takeaways. They lead the league in takeaways per game with three takeaways a game. Um, only two tonight, obviously one coming on special teams. And what happened was it didn't matter. Their strongest point of their defense was their secondary. We talk all the time, Belichick is so good at taking away your one thing. You know what? He didn't do it on Sunday. They did not take away the running game, and Lamar made the throws when he had to make the throws. Um, you know, the stats aren't going to light you up 17, of, 17 to 23, 163 yards, and a touchdown through the area. He took a sack as well. But he makes the plays when they matter. This is a guy that he, he can he can fill up a stat sheet, but it doesn't even do his performance justice. And it's just one of those things where I was so incredibly impressed with all facets of the ball outside of Cyrus Jones. <laughs> and to your point on that offense, um, they were they did a good job of getting. Obviously, I think having Marquise Brown back was a big boost. Um, he just adds a dimension. Uh, to their passing game that they just don't have when he's not there. He had three receptions, 48 yards, very fast. <laughs> um, 
And seven different receivers got the ball yesterday, including Nick Boyle, who, believe it or not, had not scored a touchdown in his career to this point. Um, so it was nice for him to get in the end zone. Um, it was it was it was thoroughly impressive. Like you said, Tim Lamar, um, the numbers don't jump off the page, but he just wows you. I mean, that one play he had near the. Um, the goal line where it looked like Van Noy had him dead to rights and he just whoop right up inside. Yeah. Uh, he took Van Noy to Canton and then just left him there. Yep. And then continued on <laughs> to the field. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, and he has, he had a, f- a few of those plays Sunday night. And that, that is what, I mean, not only is it effective, it makes him so fun to watch too. And, um, yeah, like you said, uh, the Ravens did what they wanted to do, which you don't see against the Patriots too much. And it's a guy that you always you you look at, and obviously the the we talked about it in the beginning of the season. Everything about this season fell on his shoulders. He knew it. This, the Ravens risked going back up into the first round to take this guy, and not only took this guy to be their new leader, but in, built the entire offense around him. And at 21 years old, put it on his shoulders and said, "You are the guy, and we believe in you." And by the way. Ozzie Newsom's last season as a GM brings us Lamar Jackson. I mean, just put another <laughs> check mark on his Hall of Fame resume there as both a player and, and a GM. Um, and it worked. And they they believed in the guy. They didn't put him in a bad situation, Baker Mayfield, which we'll talk about later. Um, they're allowing him to succeed, and he's taking it on. And he is clearly, at at this moment in time, with a lot of strong strong leaders in this locker room already. We lost a couple, but you have a guy like Earl Thomas who has already come in and made an impact um, you know, a guy like Tucker, who I wouldn't necessarily say, but he's a, he's a veteran who's been there a while. Uh, Matthew Judon, for whatever you can say about his play on the field, is clearly one of the more vocal guys in that locker room. They all follow Lamar. Everyone follows Lamar. Marshall Yonda, another guy. You know, we talk about the Seattle. Hell yeah, I want to go for it. You want to go for it. Hell yeah, I want to go for it, uh, Lamar. They trust and believe in this guy, and I don't see him faltering. I really, really don't as I knock on wood. It's it's crazy to me every week. He he looks like a veteran out there. I mean, he makes some mistakes. He may miss a throw and overthrow a guy. Sure. Tom Brady overthrew guys yesterday too, but he just seems so aware of everything that's going on. Uh, he doesn't seem rattled by any situation. He's always like getting on his teammates, but in a positive way. Yep. He wants the most out of all of his teammates. And so you say, to be a leader, you have to play well, and then you also have to do the right, like get the attention of your teammates in a certain way. And they he, they are following him at this point uh, wherever he wants to go. One other thing about that that I do want to talk about, that Lamar and the offense as a whole, is uh, red zone possessions. Oh. We talked uh, about finishing drives, about how this team falls a lot, a lot of the time into the sort of the Justin Tucker uh, fest, love fest, <laughs> where he ends up with four or five field goals, and we go, that's good, because he's good, but also those are three points and not seven. They had five red zone possessions on Sunday night. They scored four touchdowns out of those five possessions and got a field goal in the fifth. That's how you beat a good team, uh, and they ended up, ended up doing so comfortably. And it's interesting, too, um, there were two different times where, and one was right at the end of the half, where Belichick elected to kick a field goal. I think one was on the one-yard line, one was on the four-yard line. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong there. But it was something where 
he and and the explanation he came out said, you know, we got the ball second half, we thought we'll put points on the board, then go down again, which I don't necessarily disagree with. And he's Bill Belichick. You're not going to disagree with his logic. This is not Freddie Kitchens out there <laughs> um, making decisions, but. It, it kind of showed a respect that he was like, we have to get points on the board here just to keep this close. Um, because they're down. De- right, they're down. Because they're down. Yeah. Because they're down, and he didn't know if his defense could stop Lamar Jackson. I, which is weird because at that point, in my in my head, I would think, let's try and get the seven, but you don't want to play the risk-reward of, instead of being down four at half, now we're down seven because we couldn't convert. Um and real quickly with that, too, I, I, we've given the offense a lot of love. Everybody's going to give the offense a lot of love. Everybody is going to talk about um, how great Lamar Jackson is. And honestly, man, the hype always scares me. It's hard not to just love it. I mean, guys, we're 6-2. and two. We just beat the, the New England Patriots, the first team to beat them this season. What better time to start a podcast about this team, by the way? I think I think we made a really, really good choice. Maybe credit to us a little bit. Not saying a lot, May, just more a than, little Maybe bit. more than a little bit. Okay, maybe more. Maybe more. <laughs> if you want to put it that way. But real quickly, we're, we're going on and on about that dominating performance. I got to give a shout out to Wink Martindale. Gold chain Gold aficionado, chain. Wink Martindale. Um, and the defense. Tom Brady is 42 years old. He is unequivocally in my opinion and it i have to say it through gritted teeth the greatest quarterback of all time they made him look like a backup on sunday 10 quarterback hits only a couple of sacks the only time that he was really in a little bit of a rhythm when he was throwing to muhammad sanu in the hurry up offense which was another problem by the way which i'm uh, we'll get to the, the, them picking up sanu and then all of a sudden he's just dominating <laughs> eight, 10 catches for 81 yards which was incredibly frustrating but this defense the acquisitions that Eric DaCosta has made, guys like LJ Fort, guys like Josh Bynes, and Marcus Peters, who, yeah, was getting torched a little bit, but again, is just a much more talented guy than what they had on the other side of Humphrey and somebody that teams have to worry about now. This defense is night and day yeah. from what we saw in the beginning of the season. They played their two toughest opponents so far and beat them. They've won four straight games, as we were talking about actually a little bit before the show. It's absolutely incredible that you can have a unit like this that that we're not, you know, putting your hands over your eyes and watching through your fingers when they're on the field. As we talked about, it was depressing watching them at the beginning of the season. They have completely turned it around and credit to them. They are part of they are a big part of the reason why this team is a legit Super Bowl contender now, because they can do it relatively well on both sides of the ball. I, I just wanted to give a particular shout out to on that side him to uh, Earl Thomas, who I thought played um, his best game with the Ravens so far. He picked when the Ravens were up 10, picked Brady on that just atrocious pass downfield by uh, so bad TB 12. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Where he overthrew any of his receivers by at least 15 yards. Um, <laughs> but he, he had that. He um, one of the field goals the Patriots settled for in the first down. This was, I believe, after um, Mark Ingram's uh, fumble. He had a pass deflection on third down right by the goal line. Um, yep. So uh, he almost sacked Tom Brady, which would have been his first sack in his NFL career. Uh, he's uh, apparently in the backfield a lot or uh, the defensive uh, backfield there. Um, but uh, yeah, he played a great game. And so, you know, I think early in the season, we were kind of critical of him um, for some of the you know things he said and the defense not really backing it up in those games against the Browns. Um in particular, but 
um, and the Chiefs, but he was great on Sunday, and it's nice to see him and the defense as a whole kind of round back into, I think, the forum. We're at least hoping they would show a lot more. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Jace. That was his best game, Earl Thomas's best game of the season, and you like that it's happening now. You sort of, you allow this sort of the expectation that he's, you know, recovering from a broken leg right. and on a new team and on a new scheme that's gone through a lot of turnover, uh, that he's learning the defense on the fly and he's also learning all of his new teammates on the fly. I think he's putting it together and I would say watch out for him uh, in the second half of the season. Sure. And the other, uh, the, sort of my last defensive shout-out is Patrick Owasso. He was a guy getting pushed out of playing time more and more. He was banged up a little bit too, but... Definitely had, you know, was looking over his shoulder to see if he was going to be the next linebacker pushed out of the lineup. Eight tackles, a sack, and stripped. He could not have done it to a better guy. Stripped <laughs> Julian Edelman uh, and sort of halted that drive and, yeah. and turned the game around with that with that play where, guess what, Edelman had broken a tackle from uh, Matthew Judon, who we probably weighs 100 pounds less than Judon, and yet was still able to get out of that tackle. And there was Patrick Owasso to, to strip him and, and totally turn the game around at that point. So. Yeah, yeah, a couple other things there on the defense before we, before we kind of wrap and talk a little bit about the bad, which, you know, it'll only take a, it'll only take a few seconds. You can fast forward if you really want to. Um, you, you mentioned Owasso, a guy came back, coming back from injury, Chuck Clark, um, who might not show up on the stat sheet as much, but is taken over as the play caller who was not even a starting player, wasn't even a second stringer until a load of injuries, and is now playing. Um, it was it was first uh, Tony Jefferson, then it was Deshaun Elliott, and Chuck Clark kind of splitting time. Now it's Chuck Clark's job, and he's been given the green dot on defense over the likes of an Earl Thomas and a Wasso who just got back. And he seems to be out there as another kind of unsuspected leader for this Baltimore Ravens team. Uh, Matthew Judon, I will say the the best part he did, the best thing he did yesterday when he was like Matthew Judon, body made by Taco Bell. I can relate. Um, had a lot of Mexican food actually today to recover from um, some some partying after the win last night. So Tim Horsey and Matthew Judon, two bodies made by Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then another guy who I saw an article today of Marlon Humphrey should really be getting some Pro Bowl consideration. Marlon Humphrey should be getting. Some defensive player of the year consideration. I know there's been some incredible guys out there. Uh, Nick Bosa, you know, is the one that I, I, I love watching personally out in San Fran. Two interceptions, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, two touchdowns, the biggest plays in the biggest games, the the juju punch that he scooped and, sco- scooped and recovered and won that game was probably a season-defining moment when we look back at it and where stuff really started to turn. Um, and he's been locked down on the best guys almost every single week. Another really funny thing, he's great on Twitter. The NFL put out an article, <laughs> is Tyler Lockett underrated? And Humphrey was like, yeah, 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 like very underrated. He replied to it because obviously he had some trouble with Tyler Lockett in Seattle. But Marlon Humphrey, man, is just, he's just, it's great having a lockdown corner. When's the last time we had a true Number one lockdown guy. I mean, McAllister, maybe somebody a little bit after that as well. I can't really think off the top of my head. Darius Webb briefly, maybe? Briefly, briefly. But yeah, but there's an absolutely elite uh, corner. It's nice to have. And I know you're going to listen to this show, Ryan Wormley, so you're completely wrong. 44 (laughs) is an incredible jersey number for a fullback nor a corner or or a cornerback, excuse me. Um, And 
You know what? We talked about it last week during the bye. I think it's confirmed. That's my that's my jersey purchase. It's gonna Ma- be awesome. Marlon Humphrey more touchdowns than Odell Beckham Jr. this season. <laughs> so he's doing and better right. cleats. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the negatives. Let's quickly get into the negatives here before we move on. We get to, we're, we would we could talk about this game for an hour and we want to, but we got to move on. So let's get to the negative stuff. Uh, I'll start. The special teams are having some issues. A little bit. Uh, don't know how much longer Cyrus Jones is going to be returning punts on this team. I know the Ravens have looked into guys seemingly every week to see if they can find somebody else to take that spot. You can't fumble. Any yards you get are a positive. You cannot make mistakes in that position, and he's done so multiple times this season, and that just spells trouble. Harbaugh, I, I am shocked that Jones came back into that game because Harbaugh is very much a, oh, you, did you fumble? You're in my doghouse for the next three weeks. And he's a special teams guy. Right. Yeah. Um, but he put him back out there. So special teams is an issue. Even the, the kickoffs are a bit of an issue in terms of coverage. They keep doing that short kick to like the five-yard line to try to pin them inside the 25, and then the returner gets past the 25. So some little things there they got to clean up. Um, but that's all That's all for me, really. Ball security. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked Go about ahead, it. You, ju- you just can't, especially not just you can't fumble on special teams, period. But it's especially not when your defense has just only given up 10 plays to the Patriots and you have a 17-0 lead like the Ravens get that ball back. The Ravens blew out the Patriots by 17 yesterday. They dominated that. They once they they steadied the ship, they took that game back over. But it could have not even been that close uh, if Cyrus Jones doesn't fumble that. So. I'm completely with you. That needs to get cleaned up immediately. Yeah, I don't I don't have a ton um, in terms of bad. I, I will put a bad in here that a lot of people have been talking about, which I th- is kind of a, a dumb point. Uh, first of all, in good, real quickly, I know a lot of people don't like this, but good for me. The strobe lights after touchdowns for night games, I think is awesome. Uh, I, I know people are like, oh, they do it in college, and it's, it's, it's overdone now. I'm a big fan. So As long as it's just night games. Yeah. Can't do every game. I think it's better in night games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it in night games when they're wearing the black. I think that looked really, really cool. Um, it was also nice that we were in the end zone a lot against the New England <laughs> Patriots yesterday, so that always helps. Um, th- this idea of everybody saying, oh, well, now the Patriots have a game plan. Now they know what they're up against. Now you you want this to be a playoff game. The Ravens played that like it was a conference championship game. Is that the best we're going to see them? I'm taking a win over the Pats when I can get it, thank you very much. Especially a dominating performance like that. And you know what? They had time to plan for Lamar Jackson. You know who you can't plan for? Lamar frickin' Jackson. So give me that win every single time, especially if it means that there's some sort of seeding. I mean, we have a tough schedule coming up. But the one seed's in play, or a seed over the Patriots is in play, depending on what happens with KC and maybe some other teams we'll get to in our NFL section. I'm taking that win and that tiebreaker. Also, a stat here uh, per NFL Research and Sarah Ellison, who uh, covers the Baltimore Ravens. New England is 3-6 and six in playoff rematches versus teams that beat them in the same regular season since 2001. The last three times was the two, uh, Super Bowl 46, a loss to the New York Giants. The 2012 AFC Championship game, a loss to woo-hoo, the Baltimore Ravens. And the 2015 AFC Championship, a loss to the Denver Broncos. So don't give me this crap of Bill's going to come up with something else. That game in Foxborough in a playoff game, yeah, obviously it's going to terrify me. It's a playoff game. It's gonna, I'm terrified of the Bengals this weekend. Of course it's going to terrify me. But I, I, I'm, 
a little annoyed with the notion of this whole thing. Oh, well, the Patriots have their plan now. Uh, they were treating this like, why'd they bring out Ed Reed for this game? First of all, that was awesome, by the way. Ed Reed carrying the shield. Uh, they, they mentioned this on another podcast I listened to today, and I completely agree because he's one of my favorite humans of all time. <laughs> Ed Reed doing anything is cool. <laughs> he just is so cool when he does anything. Uh, carrying the shield. Wasn't cigar even super hand. pumped up. He had the cigar, and he's just kind of like slapping it, walking out. But you're still just like, this is this is great. I'm, I'm more fired up than I was. An amazing um, so, uh, Miami Hurricanes uh, jacket, by the way. Oh, yeah. That was that, incredible. I need, <laughs> I need that thing. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, so my, my one bad is, is more of a – this notion that, you know, the, the spin zone of this could be good for the Patriots, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, I'm just not having it when they get stomped by the Ravens in prime time. So, Tim, you, you mentioned something in there that's that's very interesting, and I almost, I don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it because this is Pontica Raven, and we have to have these discussions. It is better to talk on a podcast. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots, next three games, at Eagles, at Philadelphia, against the Cowboys, at the Texans, and then the next game after that is against the Chiefs. This is a team that is, I'm not, we're not going to call them frauds just because they lost a game, but they're not an 8-0 team. They're not an undefeated team. This defense is not quite as good as everybody thought because they played a soft schedule. I'll ask both of you. This will be our last thing, and then we'll move on. I'll ask you each. We'll start with Jace. Do the Ravens have a chance here to get the number one seed based on New England dropping? If they drop two of these next four games and suddenly are, you know, what would that make them, 10 and 3, the Ravens now have a tiebreak against the New England Patriots. They're go- it's going to be a tight ending to who, you know, what these records are going to end up being. Do you guys have any belief that the Ravens could end up with the top seed over the Patriots? And if so, could have that home game again if, if they had to do, do uh, match up against the Pats again. It hurts me to Chase. say this, but I think the answer is no. I just have too much belief, I think, in, you know, the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady combo. Um, they are, we should say, entering their bye this week. So they have a week to recover. and They're historically very good out of the bye. I think they'll probably go win three games out of that stretch, even if they split. It's hard. I mean... I could dare to dream, but it's hard to imagine the Ravens doing better than 13-3, just given how tough their schedule is kind of down the stretch still. Um, So I'm going to say no, but I want to say yes. I have been known as a Ravens pessimist (laughs) and someone I like to say realist. You frame this question in the based on the Patriots. I'm not going to base it on the Patriots. I'm going to base it on the Baltimore Ravens. You know who doesn't scare me anymore? The Texans at home. You know who doesn't scare me anymore? The Rams on Monday night. You know who doesn't scare me anymore? The San Francisco 49ers traveling east to the bank. You know who doesn't scare me? The Buffalo Bills. This is a legit chance that this team can get the number one seed. We looked at this schedule before, and it's like, oh, man, the Patriots have no one. Look, I think they're going to be great. If, if you're putting odds on it, I still think they're the favorites to get the one seed. Rest in peace to the Eagles, by the way. They're going to get destroyed <laughs> yeah, losing that in game two by weeks 40. <laughs> because Belichick is going to be so mad. But I don't – I'm not going to say they're going to win out. But this Baltimore Ravens team is one of the best teams in the NFL, and there is no reason to look at anybody else in the schedule and say, that's a loss. After this week, hand up. I might I might take the spreads in different if we're not the favorite, if we're the underdog, but hand up after this, when Antonio came on here and tried to convince us Brady is old. It's at the bank. 
Lamar Jackson. What else do I need to say? And Softest pets. Eight games I'd ever seen in my life. And Jace looked at and Jace and I looked at him like he had three heads. I was completely wrong. I am fully in support of this team. We'll get to the preview. Maybe this could be something <laughs> bad coming up against Cincinnati because of all this uh, gloating, I should say. But not because of the Patriots, but because of the quality and the belief I have in this Baltimore Ravens team. Yes, I think there is an absolutely a big chance to claim. Maybe not necessarily a one, because I still think the Chiefs are very good, but a seed over the Patriots as well. I kind of want the 49ers at this point to still be undefeated when they come into Baltimore. Bring it on! On 12-1, so we can slay uh, another dragon. So, as you can tell, uh, the three of us pretty pumped up about this game. Uh, one of the biggest Ravens wins, regular season wins in, in years. Uh, and we're going to take it and we're going to enjoy it all week. We're going to move on now to... The AFC North. <laughs> After all this confidence, all this uh, belief that the that the Ravens are going to soar from here and maybe even get the one seed, here come the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh my God. Uh, while nobody was paying attention to them, they went from 0-3 to 4-4. They are now two games behind the Ravens with a matchup still to go uh, in Week 17 in the last game of the regular season. Pittsburgh looking strong, beating teams in close games, to be fair. They beat the Chargers uh, three weeks ago by a touchdown. They beat the Colts on Sunday by two points in a game the Colts really should have had. Vinatieri missing a potential game-winning kick. Laces out! <laughs> so what are our, any thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Are we worried about the Pittsburgh Steelers? While the Ravens go and take the one seed, are we also concerned that, that Pittsburgh is, is getting a little too close for, for comfort there? Yeah, not to sound like a hypocrite, but absolutely. Um, <laughs> because, it's, because it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you look at their schedule, there are five games they should absolutely win. Um, at the Browns, at the Bengals, versus the Browns. All three in a row, by the way. Um, that Browns game being a, it looks like a Thursday nighter, um, the the away game, but we'll, we'll talk about Cleveland. You're saying the Browns are getting another uh, primetime night game? <laughs> yeah, weird. It's like it's almost they were way too overhyped in oh. the preseason, yeah. Uh, Browns, Bengals, Browns, Cardinals, and Jets I'd throw in there. That's five wins they should have. Also games against the Bills. Home to the Rams, which is annoying because I can see them squeaking that one out too. And then ending the season at the bank against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I don't think Mason Rudolph is very good. Uh, I think that's the biggest factor in this. I think their defense is very good, um, and that is concerning. Uh, the, the Minka Fitzpatrick thing, I still think it's kind of dumb to give up a one for him, but if you think he's a first-round talent, I guess go after him if you're confident in this team, and, and credit to them. They're, they're known for sticking by their guys uh, in terms of like head coaches and stuff, and it's sort of paying off here. Um, that being said, Brissett being injured completely muddles the AFC playoff picture, which we'll get to a little bit later, um, especially down the four through six range. But the Colts need that game. Oh, my God. Vinatieri, man. What are you doing? Uh, what are you doing? We're, we're, we're in a completely different frame of mind if they're three and, fri- three and five, excuse me, rather than four and four. So I would put it this way to wrap all this up, and Jason, I'll let you talk. I apologize. I am more confident in the Ravens getting a top seed than I am the Steelers catching us, but I am still worried that the Steelers can catch us. That makes any sense. It makes total sense, Tim, because here's why. And we usually save this for its own segment, but (laughs) what's bothering Jace this week? It's the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers. I will. It'll be so hard for me not to cuss in this segment. 
This game made me so mad. I don't know how the Colts lost this game. They did nothing better. Like, the Steelers did nothing better than the Colts this entire game. It's infuriating. And this is like what just angered me about the Steelers every year from, you know, when Joe got to Baltimore in 08 through basically 2014, when it seemed like, you know, the Ravens were constantly chasing the Steelers in the division. They would just win these stupid games. They had no business winning. And they did it again yesterday. Here's some things that happened just to run through the full list. Again, Jacoby Brissett gets knocked out of the game, unfortunately. So in comes Brian Hoyer. Remember him? He's still in the league. The Colts are driving up 10 to 3. And this guy, this backup, just freaking winging it, throws a 96-yard pick six to the aforementioned Minka Fitzpatrick. So now we have a tie game. Some other things the Colts did. Um, they managed a late hit on the uh, on. Uh, oh, my gosh. Right before halftime, they rushed one and uh, <laughs> they rushed one. And our boy Mason Rudolph checks it down to Vance McDonald, who's tackled by nine guys, including Darius Leonard, who about eight seconds after everyone else has tackled him, just comes sprinting in defensive rookie of the year last year and just. Like basically headfirst into the guy roughing the pat or roughing 15 yards. Chris Boswell gets a field goal before halftime. Um, they blocked an extra point by Adam Vinatieri at some point. Uh, they Colts forced a safety and then fumbled the free kick. I've never seen that before. It's insane. And then you said it at the end. Vinatieri, I know Lace is out, but. I don't think I've ever seen a missed field goal worse than that. He wasn't even close. Missed the net behind the goalpost by a lot. Yeah, by like 20 yards. It was insane. Adam Vinatieri, you know what I say? Adam Vina retire already. This is insane. (laughs) I was so mad. I was mad in the moment watching this game. And then I went back and rewatched the game. And somehow got even more mad. I would have been furious if the Ravens didn't, uh, you know, beat up on the Patriots. That uh, obviously helped my mood. But uh, the Steelers just do this. And that's why I'm still afraid of them. I hated everything about yesterday. I don't know how they won. And I don't know how they're four and four. And it's going to make me mad all season. And I'm dreading that week 17 game. So I know I just ranted a lot, but uh, I've been was very bothered by <laughs> the Steelers yesterday or on Sunday. <laughs> Adam Vina retire already is an all time. <laughs> just I'm way too mad that I can't think of anything really, really clever, but that's still pretty good. <laughs> We're bringing the heat today, bud. Jace, oh. I love that. that. And that's what that segment's for. Uh, What's yeah. bothering Jace? Yeah. It should come up uh, organically during the show. We shouldn't have to pigeonhole it in, in a certain spot. So thank you for taking that. I'll ask you guys a trivia question because when Brian Hoyer came into the game yesterday, I was like, oh, he's not on the Patriots? Uh, trivia question, how many different stints has Brian Hoyer had in the New England Patriots? Oh, it's at least two. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna, I'll, say, I'll say three. It's three. Three? <laughs> He was on that team from 2009 to 2011, then he was on the team in 2017, then he went to San Francisco, and then went back to the Patriots in 2018. 
And uh, he had a pretty good game. You know, with that mistake that he did make, the classic, like, well, uh, 12-point swing, 14-point swing on the interception, had a pretty good game yeah, and he, put him in position to, he, to beat the Steelers. Just, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Uh, yeah, Jace, you're exactly right. Half of those <laughs> annoying games against the Steelers have happened in Ravens games, so it was tough to, yeah. certainly tough to watch. However, the other team oh in the AFC North uh, <laughs> that played on Sunday didn't do as well as the Steelers, and I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, things still not fun times in Cleveland uh, these days. They still lose, Cleveland. They lose to the Brandon Allen-led Den- two and sorry the Denver. Wow, the Brandon <laughs> Allen-led. Two and six Denver Broncos. They're now three and six, but they were two and six. They lose twenty-four to nineteen. Uh, no, nobody looked good. Uh, Odell Beckham had another uniform issue during the game. He had to change his cleats at halftime because he was breaking some sort of rule. I don't know what's wrong with this team. I don't besides the coaching, but we lost to this team by fifteen points every week. That game looks worse and worse, and I don't <laughs> understand it. Uh, Cleveland. Out of the playoff picture, out of the AFC North hunt, like we, the three of us at least, predicted. What's going on? What's going on in Cleveland? Um, everything is so great in Cleveland. <laughs> it makes me so incredibly happy. They finally have a quarterback that they think is incredible. I usually am not a big, the biggest fan of like the internet meme over and over and over again. Keep bringing me the Baker Mayfield meme of when he was drafted and then after that game. The third time he shaved, by the way, going from Fu Manchu to mustache, looking like a homeless man. Had a beard when the day started. Beard when the day started, Fu Manchu, and then a mustache. He looked like they literally just scooped him off the streets of Cleveland to do that post-game interview. Um, Freddie Kitchens has got to be one of the worst coaching hires. When When your star quarterback, the guy, by the way, you build around that guy. See Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. You hire the guy that he called an idiot on last season's Hard Knocks to be the head coach. You bring in Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, who are more concerned about wearing joker cleats that they know they're going to get fined for, that they know they're going to have to take off, than actually winning football games. And you know what? I'm just going to say it, too. Joe Flacco fired this Broncos team up. He finally got this. This is a gift from Joe. He's still bringing the gifts to the old Baltimore Ravens fan base. Really stuck his neck out there. He, <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna let that one sit for a second. Uh, he came out. He, he came after the coaches. Then they put him on IR, saying it's a neck thing. Clearly, I think they were just pissed with him and wanted to be over the Joe Flacco experience, which I understand. But he finally spoke out for once in his life and it fired the team up. They rallied around Brandon Allen. I'm probably giving Joe way too much credit, but I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to die on that hill. And Cleveland, they just make the worst mistakes. They just make stupid little errors. Baker Mayfield, uh, no no interceptions today. It's 27 of 42, two sacks for 12 yards, a QBR, whatever you're going to put into that stat, of 39.9. It's it's a joke. The offensive line is horrible. The defense, which is supposed to be okay, is not good. I mean, they just lost to Brandon Allen. We'll just <laughs> say that out there again. If, if you put Brandon Allen in a lineup with... Who's the other ones? Kyle Allen and Josh Allen. I don't think I'd be able to pick out any of those three Allen quarterbacks that actually all won this week, by the way. 
Um, it's it's a dumpster fire, and I'm here to watch it burn and to be warmed by those flames. And please keep uh, bringing them to me because it's just incredible. Yeah, I don't have too much more to add. This was kind of the inverse of the Steelers game where I don't know how the Browns didn't win this game because they were better. <laughs> they were better than the Broncos and pretty much every they ran 30 more plays than the Broncos did in this game and they lost. That's hard to do in the NFL. They, I mean, it kind of comes down to they settled for four field goals, all under 40 yards. So they kind of bogged down in the red zone. And I looked this up because I couldn't believe it. I saw I saw it mentioned. I read it uh, somewhere, either on Twitter or some story. But Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry have combined for two touchdown catches this year, which is insane. Just like Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a lot uh, for what should be the best part of your team. So I agree with you, Tim and Antonio. I think Freddie Kitchens, big disaster. And I honestly don't know if they bring him back next year. It's just a team. They have so many individual talents, but they have not been able to put anything together. They look like the one step forward, two steps back team on every single drive. I had not watched a ton of Browns minutes after the Ravens game and watching them in a, in a, against a terrible team with a, essentially a third-string quarterback, uh, just could not get out of their own way, could not tackle to save their lives. There were so many plays where, guess what, uh, a new quarterback is going to take the check down, he's going to throw underneath, and these little three-yard, four-yard passes became these long gains, these first downs, and at one of the plays, like a 70-yard touchdown pass to a tight end. Yeah. That should never happen. A tight end should never be able to run for 65 of those 70 yards uh, without somebody catching him and bringing him down. So it was just a disaster, and we're all here for it, and we love it, and watch the Ravens lose to the Browns later on this season. So I mean, how perfect of a Sunday would it have been if Adam Vinna retire already actually made his kick <laughs> with the Steelers losing to a backup quarterback, the Browns losing to a backup quarterback, and oh yeah, the Baltimore Ravens beating the best quarterback of all time. Derek I want to... We'll move on to the NFL, but I when we talk about Baker Mayfield, I want to see for the rest of Lamar Jackson's career, which is going to be forever, uh, the list of quarterbacks. He will taken, never die. The list of quarterbacks taken before him in the first round, and I want it to be a constant reminder oh as those four guys get worse and worse in front of him. You see what and uh, I'm including Baker Mayfield at one overall. You see what uh, our friend Sam Darnold did yesterday <laughs> or on Sunday against the uh, the Miami Dolphins. Let's move right to it. Let's get into the NFL. Uh, Jace, what did what did he do against the Miami Dolphins? Well, they lost uh, <laughs> to the team. He ruined the toilet bowl. He ruined the toilet bowl. We were supposed to have 0-14 versus 0-14 in the penultimate weekend yeah, of the season yeah, between inc- the Bengals and the Dolphins. Incredibly, yeah, so the Miami Dolphins beat the New York Jets yesterday fairly handily. Um, and now somehow if the season ended today over halfway through, the Dolphins would be picking like fourth behind the Redskins, the Falcons, and the Bengals. <laughs> and the Jets, I believe. Um, so, not great. Like a, lot of, like a lot of bad teams, they can't even get the tanking done yeah. quite right. Uh, because they are the worst team in the NFL. I will say, you, you have to be happy for the Dolphins. No team should go 0-16, or deserves to go 0-16. But... This was a terrible look for the Jets, obviously. Darnold threw one of the most atrocious interceptions I have ever seen from an NFL QB. Certainly one that was drafted third overall, uh, you know, nearly 30 picks ahead of uh, 
the 2019 MVP Lamar Jackson. Um, but uh, he he was bad. Adam Gase is also trending to being fired after a season. It seems like I saw a stat courtesy of USA Today Sports Mike Jones. He's lost 33 games in his career now by an average of 16.3 points, and that includes 25 <laughs> double-digit losses. That's a lot. That's a bad coach. And I don't know how if the Jets go two and 14, you're like, yeah, we got to bring this guy back um, after Sam Darnold just has absolutely cratered. And turnovers were a problem for him in college, but he hasn't improved on that at all. These last few games, certainly. So, yeah, good for the Dolphins. Uh, more time to laugh at the Jets, which I think all NFL fans are here for. Yeah, a couple points there real quick. Just and I, I've given him stick in the past when needed but every time you think john harbaugh's doing a bad job just look around the league <laughs> just just take your pick take a dartboard get out of a map of the u.s throw a dart the closest team that that dart hits whichever nfl franchise it is probably has a worse head coach than john harbaugh and real quickly again if you're talking about those quarterbacks let's just list them out for people who may not know them off the top of their head that were drafted in front of lamar jackson and if we're sounding cocky today, it's because we are, because we just beat the New England Patriots. And I know we moved on, but I'm just going to keep sprinkling that in. Was it a close game? No, it was not. They won, they won by 17 points. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Bill Belichick undefeated in his last, like, 20 or 21 versus first or second year quarterbacks. Not anymore. Baker Mayfield, number one overall. Dumpster fire. Talked about that already. Number three overall, Sam Darnold, seeing ghosts. <laughs> number seven overall Josh Allen I have nothing bad to say no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills but he's not Lamar Jackson number 10 overall Josh Rosen I forgot not even on the team that drafted him and can't start over Ryan Fitzmagic in Miami a team that just got their first one of the season one three seven ten then you go down to pick 32 and Lamar Jackson drafted by the Baltimore Ravens I like it I like it so much even though you speak ill Kind of in parentheses of Ryan's fit, fine, Ryan Fitzpatrick had his Fitz magic game of the season. There it was uh, yep. on Sunday, sure. uh, two hundred and eighty-eight yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Somehow, so sorry, Dolphins, you probably won't be picking first overall. <laughs> uh, another game that I want to go over uh, that some of us may or may not, may or may not have had in teasers or bets that we talked about last week. The Green Bay Packers, uh, they had a home game. Uh, in Los Angeles against the Chargers, I just don't understand the Chargers. They shut down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense. They won 26-11 to uh, in a game that was never close. I mean, the, Pack, the Chargers had a couple of field goals in the first half, but the Packers could not get first downs. They could not get 10 yards in a row. They looked terrible for basically three and a half quarters of that game and got a garbage time touchdown to make it even look respectable. But... I don't know what to, you know, Green. you're going to lose, you're going to have these stinker games every so often, that's what I take from Green Bay, but what do we make of the Chargers? Are they going to go on their, like, second half surge like they do every two years, seemingly? They're only four and five now, but just handle the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, real quickly, I'm not too worried about the Packers. I did see some stat, uh, I, I, I heard some stat on a podcast I listened to, unfortunately can't find it to confirm it, but the Packers, on the Daylight Savings Time Sunday, haven't won in like 10 years or something. It's, it's like something ridiculous, like just one of those weird factoids. It doesn't really mean anything, but it's interesting. 
Um, I'm not worried about the Packers at all. Aaron Rodgers is still incredible. They will they will be fine unless he has a falling out with Matt Lafleur. But who knows? I doubt that's going to happen. Real quickly with the Chargers, and then I'll turn it over to our West Coast correspondent Chase Evans. Um, when Ingram and Bosa, the two rush ends, are playing like that. Uh, yeah, be worried because anytime a team has two elite pass rushers like that and they're both clicking at the same time, you can shut down any offense yeah. if you can get after the quarterback. Well, I saw some, I believe it was on SportsCenter last night. They The Chargers only sent more than four, I think, on like four or five attempts by Rodgers on Sunday. So, yeah, it, it, like you said, Tim, if you can get to the quarterback with four, that just gives so much guys you can just throw at pass coverage. And the Packers don't have like the most dynamic receivers in the world. Um, it was interesting. Aaron Rodgers did call out his teammates a little bit. He said something to the effect of our uh, preparation in the last 48 hours was not uh, basically quite what it should be, which uh, translation is uh, all his younger teammates definitely went out and partied in L.A., uh, it, on Friday and Saturday, probably. Um, but aside from that, I, I don't know what to make of the Chargers because this team was pegged as a Super Bowl contender coming into the year, and they lost Derwin James and they had some offensive line struggles. But the team's still really talented, and they went twelve and four last year for a reason. And it's almost the exact same team, so I wouldn't be surprised if they make kind of a playoff push here. Like you said, Antonio, they seemingly start like one and six and then end up nine and seven, like every three years. Um, so their receivers are great. Melvin Gordon looks like he's finally kind of getting back in the groove. Um, so I, I think they are a team to be, uh, be on the lookout for. Yeah. I'll just say quickly too, uh, looking at their schedule, they control a lot of their own fate. They still have five divisional games left. Wow. They've only played one divisional opponent at Raiders, home to Chiefs, at Broncos, at Jaguars, home to Vikings, home to Raiders, and at Chiefs. Um, and this this gets into a bigger conversation about the AFC playoff picture in general, where you're looking at the Patriots, they're 8-1 and one there in the playoffs. You're looking at the Chiefs, they're 6-3, and three, they'll get Mahomes back. They're most likely in the playoffs. I'm not going to say it, but the Baltimore Ravens have a very good path to the playoffs. They're 6-2. and two. The Texans are 6-3. and three. Then behind them, the Colts are 5-3, and three, although who knows what Jacoby Percent. Yeah, he could be out for a long while. They said an MCL sprain was what I saw today, so that's... Okay. You know. It's not as, it's not as bad as it looked, to be honest. Right. We'll he'll, see. he'll be back, but there's no telling like, how much time he'll miss. Yeah, if, if they can stay afloat while he's out. Looking at these teams, you have the Bills at 6-2, and two, Raiders... Four and four and have beaten a lot of good teams. The Chargers four and five, but a lot of divisional games left. Um, that division's completely up for grabs there with the Raiders and Chargers four and four, four and five. Uh, the Colts five and three. The Jaguars four and five. The Steelers, as we talked about, four and four. That's a lot of teams halfway through the season that still have a very good shot to make the playoffs, and um, a lot of these divisions still yet to be decided. In a lot of these instances, it's the is these, it's the two wild card spots. Yes, it, it almost looks sure. like the division winners are. We're not going to say locked up because it's the NFL and and we just feel good about this Ravens win, but that it's gonna. It looks like one, two, three. It's like four teams fighting for those two spots. Really, between Buffalo, I'm going to say Indianapolis is now struggling for a wild card spot uh, because of the Brissett situation, and they're now a game behind. I should say half a game behind the Texans. Uh, Pittsburgh terrifies me at four and four. The Jaguars, I think, are going the wrong direction. Gardner Minshew has sort of yeah. come back down to earth uh, in these last few weeks. They're four and five now. I don't really see them making that surge. Uh, 
I have nothing to say about the Tennessee Titans. I can't believe they've won even four games this season. <laughs> and then it's the Chargers sitting there at four and five. So if I looked at this now, if Jacoby Brissett misses a month, let's say, I would have to pick the Steelers and Chargers out of this list. And they're currently in the seventh and eleventh spots. And that's who I would see getting the wild card, just based on history, frankly, and experience and and talent and and overall talent and talent. Yeah. And the, the the other thing too is that if, if you listen to this show. Uh, Jace did have a moment on what's bothering Jace talking about the L.A. Chargers and just how maddening and confusing they are. Um, but if they can kind of right the ship, Melvin Gordon being back and kind of going through his couple preseason games, quote unquote. Now he seems to be back at full fitness and ready to go. Um, yeah, they are very, very dangerous in terms of that AFC uh, wild card picture, I would say. I, I don't turning it. Well, I will say I will just say I don't think they're for real, but I think the Bills are going to make the playoffs. Here's their remaining schedule. They're six and two at Browns, at Dolphins versus the Denver Broncos. And then at Cowboys, Ravens, at Steelers, at Patriots. That's tough. But then they end with the Jets. That seems like they are going to just kind of stumble into 10 and six. And I think that's going to snag them. One of those wild card spots. Good, because I, I thought you were going to have some uh, nonsense to say about the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> no. but I'm glad, I'm glad you corrected yourself after last week. Looking at the NFC, uh, probably a lot more talent, uh, a lot more stud teams. Uh, San Francisco still has not lost, 8-0. New Orleans Saints, 7-1. Those two are the class of, of that conference. Green Bay, even with the loss, are 7-2. They still have a two-and-a-half game lead on the next best team. The Cowboys play tonight at 4-3. and three. Uh, they have the Eagles breathing down their backs at this point. Philadelphia technically in second place behind them uh, in the NFC East, even though they're 5-4. and four. They have more wins than Dallas, but uh, Dallas still has a good. The percentages gives Dallas the, uh, the slight edge there. Seattle at the moment is the fifth team to go to the playoffs, That's and they're 7-2. Uh, and then the, even the Vikings are currently the last playoff team. They're 6-3 and three. Uh, after a tough loss to the Matt Moore-led Kansas City Chiefs, so who do we uh, who do we like in those last few spots in the NFC uh, as we as we take the sort of the third quarter of the season now? I think the Seahawks are a lock. Yeah. Um, the Rams. I mean, the Rams are third place in that division at five and three. That's still a good Rams team. I mean, you talk about talent all over the field. They could be a contender. Um, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins, so sorry, Stefan Diggs and the Minnesota Vikings. I just – he could go hot for three games, then he's going to completely <laughs> crap the bed. Um, so I, I don't have any faith in them. One of my favorite plays of the weekend was Kirk Cousins on like a third and six sliding with nobody around him two yards short of the first down. That was yeah, maybe my I mean, one of, the, <laughs> yeah. one of the worst situational awareness plays. Situational awareness, Kirk. Um, Ugh. The Panthers have a legit good defense and a potential MVP candidate in uh, Christian McCaffrey. Do they even bring Cam Newton back um, when one of the Allens is is playing pretty well? <laughs> Kyle Allen, I think that's the one down there in Carolina. He's doing okay. Um, so if, for me, if I'm looking at this outside of division winners, and I was big on the Eagles early in the year, I think oh, this is tough. If I'm picking two, I'm going to go – Seahawks for sure, and then the second-place team in the NFC East, whether that's the Cowboys or the Eagles, only over the Carolina Panthers because who knows with Kyle Allen and Cam Newton. There's a little uncertainty there. And the NFC East 
guys can beat up on the Giants and Redskins, or you expect them to, which is you bank some wins in that way, and that helps you get one of those seeds. I don't want to say I believe in Kirk Cousins, but <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings are excellent at home, and they've yet to lose there. I know he doesn't beat great teams, but I think at six and three, there's enough around him and the team in general. I think they're going to cobble together the wins to take that sixth spot. I think the Seahawks are a lock and I wouldn't even preclude them from maybe winning the NFC West. They have they play the 49ers next week in a huge matchup that'll um, could determine eventually, you know, the NFC West winner. Um so I still think I am going to take the current playoff teams now, the Seahawks and the uh, the Vikings as the final two seeds. Am I saying Kirk Cousins is making the playoffs? Yes. Do I feel great about it? No. But as we've talked about many times, the NFL is a strange place. And so I think Kirk Cousins is going to get it done for the Vikings. Yeah, I want to say that the Rams you know, given a full season, will figure things out and end up in the playoffs. But I don't like their schedule. No. They have to travel to Pittsburgh next week, which now terrifies me. I mean, I thought that was going to be a game where the Ravens would get some breathing room. Don't know now. They still have to play the Ravens. Uh, That's a tough game for them. Now they still have to play the Seahawks. Then they finish at the Cowboys, at the 49ers, and then home against the Cardinals. It is a tough schedule all the way through. I guess if you want to catch up to your NFC West, you know, uh, rivals, you have to play them and you have to beat them. So they have the games there to do it, but... Uh, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins, but I don't know how the Rams are going to sort of navigate that and catch up enough to uh, to end up in the playoffs. But we will have to see. Yeah, one quick thing. It's weird, and I know they were on a bye week, so that's probably part of the reason. Um, you, you haven't heard a lot about the Rams' struggles. I mean, for me, we heard about it early on, and now it's kind of faded away. They won a couple games. Maybe that's just the case of they're on a bye, and there was a lot of other things to talk about. But we'll see how that develops. Um, and just... To kind of wrap up this NFL section, a team that we thought was going to be in the playoff picture who has completely fallen off. Um, And, yeah, they took a quarterback before Patrick Mahomes. They took a quarterback before Deshaun Watson in the same draft. I believe they traded up with the 49ers, and the Niners ended up taking Bosa. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. No, not, uh, excuse me, not Bosa. Yeah, Bosa's a that was a, it was Solomon Thomas. So it didn't, Solomon Thomas. It didn't work out you. for them, but they also – things seem to be going well now. So Yeah. <laughs> And they avoided drafting the guy who the Chicago Bears drafted, Mitch Trubisky. Um, a total of one passing yard in the first half. One. <laughs> it's not good. Singular. One uno. That's it. Um, the defense is kind of it almost, it looks like they've almost quit on this team a little bit. And when they're on the field constantly, and we saw it with our great defenses of the past, if they have to stay on the field, they're going to get tired out at the end of games. That's just how it happens. Um, Chicago dead and buried, and I, I admittedly am very surprised. Yeah, currently three and five. That's such a good point about the defense. I, you know, I've never played in the NFL, oh, but wow. uh, it seems that good defenses that have a bad offense or a bad quarterback they start doing too much basically and they because they realize that their offense is not going to score a lot of points they sort of over they don't do their job in the, the you know bill belichick uh, school of how to play your position they overplay they get themselves in trouble they try to create turnovers because they think that's the only way they're going to get points uh and when you have a guy throwing for one passing yard in, in an entire <laughs> half you probably do need to do that yeah uh so they're sort of falling apart at the seams uh, and there's just way too many teams in front of them now. Even if they sort of righted their ship, uh, 
Not that I think it's going to happen with Trubisky from one day to the next, but there's a lot of teams in front of them now that I really think the playoffs are out for them. And he seems to be worse this year than he was last year. I, I th- It sticks if you're a Bears fan, but it, I, they have to go back to the QB drawing board next year. He can't be the starter next year. They're, they're, t- they're too invested in winning now, and they can't win with this guy. Maybe they'll uh, trade up and try to really get it this time. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're going to move on. We already had our What's Bothering Jace segment, so we're going to move right past that. Jace, one of the best that you've had all year. Uh, so let's go right into Random Ravens, which is uh, my pick for this all week. Right. Uh, it's a, it's an interest. I like it. I like this pick a lot. I uh, tried this week to really get somebody that I thought was going to be interesting. He's pretty random. Um, oh, boy. But the clues are going to be, there's not a lot of information here, but it's it's the type of thing where if I give too much, if I give one thing that's too much, it's going to be obvious who it is. I think, I think you're so, overrating our brain capacity. We, we, will, we will see. Uh, so I'm going to go through it here. I have four clues, and I'll say it right now. The third clue is the one that you really got to really focus in on. What about our rule about five clues, man? I'll have a fifth if, uh, if needed. If, if needed. All right, sure. That works. <clears throat> Because, for example, I'm not telling you what position he plays. <laughs> <So> okay, good. <laughs> that, that, that'll be the fifth right. one if we get to it. But All right, so this random Raven played for the Ravens from 2007 to 2009. His only other time spent in the NFL was in 2010 with the San Francisco 49ers. He spent most of his time as a backup. Oh, God. But did start two games under Brian Billick in 2007. Clue number three. He shares more than just a college accolade with Lamar Jackson. And clue number four. I think yes! I think I might know. He was drafted in the fifth round yep. out of a Big Ten school. Yep, 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 yep. So we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it there for the listener to see if they can uh, figure out who, it is, who he is. Was a fan favorite for some reason. So uh, for the listener out there, maybe that's a clue that, that may help. I'll give another little clue because I think Jace already has yeah, it here. Yeah, I think so. Um, back when I, and to be fair, I actually play a lot of this year's version, but when I played a lot of Madden as a younger child, uh, always loved this guy. Always loved this guy. And it was before you had Joey Flacco on the Ravens. Oh, well, that was a big spoiler. My bad. Uh, sorry about that. Was a big fan of, of playing with this guy uh, in, in Madden. So I, I feel like I ruined that. I apologize. That's, that's, quite, that's quite all right. There's a big clue, guys. <laughs> clue, big clue. Clue five. <laughs> Not Joe Flacco. <laughs> so that's my random rev, and we will answer that at the end of the show. So let's get it. Not too much to, to, to go over, but our game preview against the still defeated Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, only team without uh, a win. The real highlight for them this week uh, is that it's Ryan Finley time. And that's not Ryan Lindley, and it's not Ryan Findley. It's Ryan Finley, and I had to look up who he was. Uh, he's making his first career NFL start, which typically bodes well for the Ravens. Yeah, they uh, benched Andy Dalton on his 32nd birthday, which is very... Uh, one of the more Bengals things you could probably do. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably could. Do you think they opened the meeting with, uh, oh, Andy, happy birthday, by the way. You're not starting anymore. I just don't know. Like, if you know it's the guy's birthday, like, the team probably had a happy birthday Andy social media post. He's been their QB for, like, 10 years. 
You you don't think someone tells the coach, hey, let's let's do this tomorrow <laughs> or or do it the day before. I don't know. Very Bengals. Um, but Ryan Finley, uh, what do you guys know about Ryan Finley? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, yeah, literally nothing. Zero. He, that he play he plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think he also has red hair. He went to North Carolina State, I think. He did. Oh. Alma mater of a previously Nailed mentioned it. QB, Phil Rivers. And Russell Wilson briefly. But yeah, Ryan Finley, three years started at NC State, was certainly never spectacular ever, really. I looked it up just because I was curious. Last year, his senior season, 25 TDs, 11 picks. It's not that great in college football. (laughs) Lamar Jackson, who won the Heisman, had like 39 touchdowns or something the year he won. So uh, Ryan Finley did. Wait, who did did Lamar beat this weekend? uh, The uh, New England Patriots by 17, Tim. God, thank you. Thank you. Uh, So, yeah, Ryan Finley, not not much to say about him. Uh, Obviously, there's pretty much no tape outside of some preseason games on him. Um, It seems like a desperation move by the Bengals, to be sure, but... I don't know. Does it still somehow concern me? A little bit. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a desperation move in the sense where they're trying to win football games. Right. I, I think this is this is a uh, let's see what Finley uh, can do in this. What is eight games that they yeah, have left? And and is this did, a guy we want to build around, or do we need to attack this in the draft? They did use like a fourth round pick on him, so yeah, they're just trying to see what they have because. Uh, as of now, they'd be picking first overall as the only team without a win. So uh, <laughs> got to see, I guess, if you're drafting a QB. A.J. Green could play on Sunday. He's uh, been taking snaps. He's getting more quarter, uh, more comfortable. He's learning who Ryan Finley is, which is important to, to their team's success this week. So there's a, it's a bad team. The Ravens are coming off their biggest win of the season. A.J. Green could show up in this game for his first action of the season. The Ravens are double-digit road favorites. We're, we've been talking about the Patriots game. Imagine how much they've been talking about the Patriots game. Is this the most obvious trap game in the history of the Baltimore Ravens? Is there, is there a 10% chance that this is the trap game that we come back next week crying about? Oh, I, I already said last week that I'm not going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, at time of recording, the Monday night game, there was a black cat running around the field, and I'm more interested in that than talking anything about the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, in all, in all seriousness, um, I don't think this team, this Ravens team, falls into trap games as as prominently or as much as as I said before, your father's Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think they're going to be ready to go. The messages, you know, John came out and said it's a big win for us, but we had to move on. A lot of football left to be played. We're only halfway through the season. Um, and honestly, you know, we already had our trap game. It was against the Cleveland Browns because <laughs> look how bad they are. Um, I really th- to take a to take a small phrase from uh, Bill Belichick, who just lost to the Baltimore Ravens this weekend by 17 <laughs> points. Do your job. Do your job. Go in there. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. This team is not good enough to keep up with you. We saw it a couple weeks ago at M&T Bank Stadium. We got out to a decent lead, kind of let it slip a little bit, but then was able to seal this thing out. Um, I see the, I see it going the same way. Um, in terms of performance, yeah, I, I think there could absolutely be a drop-off um, from, from their 
nearly flawless game against New England when they won by 17 this past weekend. Um, so, but but in terms of a resu- in terms of a result, no, I do not see them. Losing. Yeah, on paper, it's obviously a trap game. The next game for the Ravens is the Houston Texans in Baltimore, which should be a battle of division leaders by the time that game's played. Um, but like Tim said, I think the talent disparity is just too great that if the Ravens just show up and like just don't throw like eight interceptions, they should win this game. They dominated the Bengals a few weeks ago and they've cleaned up some of the defensive problems. I think they had even in that game. And I think Andy Dalton not starting. Say what you want about Andy Dalton. He's certainly not a Hall of Fame QB or anything, but he's given the Ravens problems over the years and he's certainly competent. And I think there's competency is not something I think you can bet on Ryan Finley bringing to this game. So I think they'll run over the Bengals again. They still don't do much well (laughs) and haven't really shown noticeable improvements and they have a rookie QB. So I still think the Ravens should win handily, but, and I agree with Tim, I think they're going to be focused in to um, try to win that game. In the Ravens game at home against Cincinnati, the line was Ravens by 11, 11 and a half or 11. And all three of us were positive that the Ravens were not going to win that game by more than 11 points because we knew that that sort of backdoor Andy Dalton touchdown was coming. And it absolutely did in the last few minutes of that game. And the Ravens ended up winning by six, I believe. I see this game going very, very similarly to that, except for there's no Andy Dalton to sort of have that drive late in the game. Uh, The Ravens are going to run the ball, then they're going to run the ball some more, and then they're going to run the ball some more. Uh, I see this being a 40-20 time of possession type game. Ravens go up by a few touchdowns. Coast maybe win by 14, 17 points. So unless you guys, you can get back to sort of some preview games, preview stuff against the Bengals, but I'm going to jump into my pick because of that. Ravens, minus 10. Listen, it's, it's not your father's Baltimore Ravens. I feel comfortable picking Baltimore to win a road game by double digits. And, and it may be, a, may be a pick that I uh, look at this weekend. Yeah, um, this is – I feel weird. Like I'm very happy um, you know, because you ha- if you haven't heard, the Ravens beat the Patriots by 17 points on Sunday night. But th- it's weird being this confident about this team because you know what? I'm doing the same thing. I'm picking minus 10, Ravens minus 10 away from home at the, as Jace wrote in our rundown doc here, the Cincinnati Bungles, which is one of my favorite nicknames in the NFL. Um, I think they're too good. I think they're too focused. I think they know – this is the game you know you have a shot to go 7-2 and two and be a very, very legit contender for the number one seed um, and show people that it wasn't a fluke, that you're only getting up for the big games, that you can take care of the small guys when you need to as well. So I think minus 10. And real quickly, I'll run through my other picks as well here as we got to get into the gambling part of this show. Uh, I think Mahomes is supposed to be back this week. But either way, as Antonio said, I have nothing to say about the Tennessee Titans, and I'm surprised they have four wins. So I'm going to take Kansas City minus four at Tennessee. And as I love to do, I do love picking away teams. I'm not sure why. Probably not good. Probably why I haven't won a lot of games uh, in terms of these gambling segments. But something about Seattle getting six points in a primetime game against San Francisco uh, really, really interests me. Um, this, This 49ers team is very good. I think they're the best opponent we have left on our schedule. I do not think they are going to go undefeated. Um, It's a Monday night game. There's going to be a lot of expectations. And Russell Wilson, in my opinion, 
Um, taking my purple tinted glasses off is probably the MVP so far this year. Uh, even if they don't win, this is going to be an incredibly close game. So I think giving the Niners six points, or excuse me, having them favored by six points seems a little too high for me. So Seattle and the, the six points uh, on Monday night. There. I'm completely with you on that one. And Russell Wilson, uh, five more touchdowns yesterday. Uh, he has 22 touchdowns, one interception that Marcus Peter took to the house um, on the year. But uh, I completely agree for the same reasons. It's just too many points for the probable MVP to be an underdog by. Um, and then for the Ravens, also, I'm taking the minus 10 and the win. Um, I just I think there's going to actually be a lot of Ravens fans there. Probably it's a sh- uh, not the longest drive to Cincinnati short flight. If you take it, um, certainly Bengals fans aren't going to show up. So I think the Ravens are going to come ready to play and uh, they'll cover that one. And then my last pick is. It's a big spread, but the the New Orleans Saints are favored by 12 and a half points against the Atlanta Falcons, who might not even have Matt Ryan back. Um, Even if they do, 12 is a lot. The Atlanta Falcons are atrocious. And if they don't have Matt Ryan, even if they do have Matt Ryan, the Falcons are the Saints biggest rival. It's in the Louisiana Superdome. I don't see how they're not coming to just hammer the Falcons if they have the chance. So I am taking the 12 and a half in that game. My other two picks, uh, I absolutely agree with you, Tim. I love Kansas City, uh, four-point favorites at Tennessee. And then this other pick, I I pretty much wrote it down because I'm going with my heart here because the uh, Los Angeles Rams are four-point favorites at Pittsburgh. I just want Pittsburgh to lose. Let us beat the Bengals. Let Pittsburgh lose. The Ravens just have a nice little cushion in that AFC North. So the Rams are winning by a touchdown, and we're getting off the Mason Rudolph hype train because he's not looked good in several games that they've won. So those are my picks. Uh, cannot wait to watch this uh, Ravens game on Sunday. Lamar Jackson, we have not seen him have the trap game yet in his career, so we're feeling good about the Ravens as 10-point road favorites. Uh, we'll be back next week to to hopefully be right about that pick. But let's answer... Uh, our random raven here, and then close the show out. I will say quickly before we do that, um, just if you're if you're listening this far into the podcast, really appreciate it. At time of recording, we are still trying to figure out when the show will go live next week. It will most likely not be your normal Tuesday morning. We apologize for that. There was some travel that was booked um, even before this podcast was started, and we're still in the infancy phases phases here. So stay. Look at us, Twitter, at PodLikeARaven, Instagram, PodLikeARaven, any of our personal social medias as well. Um, we'll be getting that out in terms of when we know that will be dropping, so you know as well. Probably the right week, the right game uh, for us to, to maybe, maybe See, put now, something out a few, don't, a few Now, days. don't say that, because we'll now I'm starting we'll to think on. trap game. We've got to wrap this before I change my mind about the pick. <laughs> so for random, random Ravens, I'm going to quickly read through these clues. I, I think my two co-hosts are, are right on this one, and I'm, and I'm proud of them for it. But Thank you. Uh, the four clues here, or uh, five, five clues here. He's not Joe Flacco. <laughs> Thank you. Clue number one, he played for the Ravens from 2007 to 2009, uh, then only spent time in 2010 with the 49ers, and that was the end of his NFL career. Spent most of his time as a backup, did start two games under Brian Billick in 2007, uh, he shares more than just a college accolade with Lamar Jackson, that college accolade being the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he was drafted in the fifth round out of a Big Ten school. So I think you two uh, know who it is, so uh, whoever wants to take it. Yeah, I'll take it because I kind of spoiled it there at the beginning. 
I'm a guy that I loved watching in college and was very excited when he was drafted by the Ravens and then had a couple performances that I thought, maybe, maybe. He was part of that 5-11 and 11 Ravens team, so, you know, any little shining light would have been good. And that was Troy Smith, um, number 10 Ed from Ohio State, Heisman there, obviously like Lamar at Louisville. Uh, so Troy Smith is well, I think, Tim, you had said uh, he became a fan favorite of sorts, and it's because, yeah, he wasn't Kyle Buller. Uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Troy Smith is who I had as well. It is Troy Smith. Played two games as a starter he, for the Ravens. The Steelers, played three. if I recall. He did. Yes, in a week seventeen meaningless matchup. Possibly, I think. it's never it's never meaningless. Possibly cost the Ravens Matt Ryan. I'm not entirely plugged into how that draft would work, but you know things worked out. <laughs> so since uh, you guys were all on top of that, very quickly, if you want to have a fun guess, in looking this up, uh, the fact that he won the Heisman Trophy, I then looked into other Heisman Trophy winners on the Ravens because we've had several and we have several right now. Yeah, Robert. on the roster. So if you can guess how many Heisman Trophy winners have played or are currently playing for the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. It is not a very old team. It's a 20-year-old, yeah. roughly a little over that, uh, 20-year-old team. Three Heisman Trophy winners are on the roster today. Yeah. Uh, so what's the total number? This is something for, for Statman, for Jace, uh, old Statman over there to, to come up with. But well, Yeah, so the three currently are Mark Ingram, RG3, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And Troy Smith Outside is the fourth. Troy Smith is four. There's definitely someone uh, I'm forgetting. Oh, it's got to uh, be a- Ricky Williams. So that's the one that I thought Ricky you were going to get. And the sixth one is by far sixth? the most fun. <laughs> There's a sixth. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to figure the this out. final number is six. There have been six Heisman Trophy winners on the Baltimore Ravens. All right. There's one guy left, and he doesn't make any sense. Really. Jace, real quickly. Uh, we'll, we're going to do this together. Do you want either school or position for this player? School. I think school. I think, I think school is where we go. All right. What what school did where you go he went to? to high, uh, college, college. Where he went to high school. Uh, I have to pull this up because I don't wow. even know. Which is a clue yeah. <laughs> in and of itself. Holy crap! This uh, this oh okay. So I probably should have known this. This gentleman went to the University of Miami. Oh no! But he's not. Uh, all right. So here's the other clue. He had a very very long NFL career. Uh, and it only spent the tail end with the Baltimore Ravens. It's not Willis McGay. He didn't win a Heisman, did he? And that was in the '90s. In the '90s, as a very young franchise, they got this player to sort of guide the team uh, in their infancy in their first few years. And it's a fun name. So I don't know. I, '90s Ravens is kind of out out of my wheelhouse a little bit. He was a quarterback. One oh, of, uh, one of the first uh, Ravens ever. Uh, no, no, no. Vinny Testaverde? That's correct. Vinny oh, Testaverde. I forgot. I was like the, the Miami, Miami. Q, So I knew it was a QB, but I kept, I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking far enough back. I kept thinking Gino Toretta, and I was like, I don't even think he played in the NFL. <laughs> so Vinny Testaverde, I think was on the Ravens in like 96 yeah, 96 or 97 or something. Yeah. yeah. So six of them. Still right. has the three of them. Ravens single season touchdown record. Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> that will be broken by future MVP Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Who beat the Patriots on Sunday? <laughs> so that's it for us. Any final uh, any final points, guys? It was a fun week. I enjoyed the show. Um, beating the Patriots is always good. It's not something the Ravens do a ton of, so we have to revel in it when it happens. Um, and yeah, the should sets up a awesome second half of the season. Yeah, I don't want to speak for both of you guys, but I think this is one of the more fun times we've had doing this podcast um, because of that. And for Ravens fans out there, enjoy this. 
It doesn't happen very often. You know, maybe we're starting to see the beginning of something really, really special here in Baltimore. But for now, just enjoy the moment of of dominating that game and beating the Patriots by 17 on a Sunday night football game. Um, and and let's see where it takes us because I think this team has the chance to do something very special this season. Couldn't have said it any better myself. So I will uh, we'll close up there. Uh, for Jace Evans, Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. We will see you next week on Pod Like a Rhythm. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.